Welcome to the Motorcycle Dad Podcast with Tito. Hope everybody had a good week. We're heading into the weekend, Labor Day weekend. Hey, all right, everybody's ready to have fun. Uh, so I'll go ahead and get to the point, get this recorded, so that way you guys can go and have fun, whatever you're going to do this weekend. So in this episode, uh, I'm going to talk about a friend of mine, and he put me in check this week, so very good on you. And then I got another friend that we're going to talk about a story, or not a story, but more. He wanted me to cover a topic, so I'll bring that up in the next segment. But first off, motorcycle news. So guys, one of the things I learned of through the interwebs is BMW Motorrad, guys. If you own a BMW 310, okay little 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 old thing little little thing of a jigger okay g310 i think it's r and then g310 gs okay they have a recall out on them on the brakes so um it is basically saying that the plunger something's getting corroded or defective in there for your uh for your brake caliper and they're going to replace front and rear brake caliper that's what i read that they distributed the Germans put that out, okay? That's not coming from me. Um, but I will say this. In my experience, being a BMW Motorrad dealer and being a service director for a dealership group that has BMW Motorrad, this is how this is going to go. More likely from the recall, and I'll probably get a leak of the recall later from a friend of mine or whatever, if I can. If not, whatever. But i just familiar with the process. And here it is. What will happen is you'll go to your dealership. You'll get a letter. You're going to get that letter. You're going to go straight to the dealership. Germany has not shipped the parts yet for you. Okay. So you take your bike to the dealership. They probably will need to perform an inspection of some kind to verify that your calipers need to be replaced. All right. They'll put the parts on order in order status. And then when the parts come in, they'll give you a call and let you know. Now, depending on your service department or your dealership, hopefully as soon as the parts come in, they get you a call and start scheduling you. Uh, it may sometimes take a couple days lag here and there. Uh, anything, anything over three, four days of notice, that's, that's bullshit. So, uh, but usually what happened is they're unable to order parts even through the BMW system itself. They have to wait for BMW to ship the parts to the dealership. So now imagine, I think this is affecting, I want to say they said about 5,000 units. So keep that in mind, BMW now has to ship brake calipers front and rear for about 5,000 pieces, or for about 5,000 units, which would be about 10,000 pieces, depending on the inspection and the process for, okay, it's just the front or rear. So uh, if you own a BMW G310 GS or R, please, please, please call your dealership first before you go up there, ask them what the process is, if you need to come in for an inspection so that way they can schedule you. So you're not waiting around the dealership for an hour and a half, you can get in and get out. That's what I used to do. I used to like to just get people come in. Now, if you just show up, keep in mind, you're probably gonna wait a little bit because they now have to juggle their schedule around to get, you know, to get you in there for the inspection portion, okay? And keep in mind, not saying that they're not going to take care of you is their job, but if you're going at the end of the month, they're probably going to sandbag you because they cannot get paid on that job, even the inspection portion, until the parts come in and they cashier the repair order and process the warranty. Meaning, 
you have a technician and say maybe he's inspecting your bike and takes 20 minutes well that 20 minutes of time he's not getting paid for that um now like i said it's it's professional they're still going to do their job but just keep that in mind and be conscientious of it if you're going to show up and then complain about waiting it's like well look dude they're going to get you in there but they also have paying jobs and you just showed up what do you think was going to happen so do yourself a favor do yourself a kindness and call your dealership and schedule an appointment okay and that is all i got right now that was the big news that i found out and i'm gonna move on to uh my next segment okay that being and i'm not usually i'll pause and have some crazy like music shit um first off i want to say i checked my uh my account this morning my analytics and i have over 200 listens for all the episodes and this is my seventh episode and i just want to thank everybody for listening um you know i know everybody's got a motorcycle story to tell um you're hearing my my point of view and my motorcycle story and i'm very appreciative of you guys listening because you don't have to listen but you guys are so i'm super humbled thank you i hope i keep it live and entertaining and i'm always going to try to listen to your feedback okay um that being said a very good marine corps friend of mine a very very good one like me and this guy are like brothers he is my brother there ain't no like that's my fan bam all right mikey v on the island brother it's my boy out in hawaii and uh he he's listening to the podcast and like i told you guys i'm gonna I, I i enjoy the feedback i'm gonna take the criticism you know i know i came off as a hard ass the first episode like oh i don't care politically correct but look he called me out on some shit and i'm very appreciative and i was gonna record it last night when he called me out on it recorded episode but it just didn't feel right. Uh, you know, I was still wrapping my head around it. And long story short, let me stop yik yakking and get to it. Okay. So um, sometimes we use vernacular and we use slang in the industry, and it's not the best of it. And especially anybody that used to be a Marine or in the military knows we're not the most politically correct people. So pardon me, but he really did put me in check on something. I was talking about, you know, Japanese manufactured motorcycles. Usually in the industry, we call them metrics, euros, or, you know, V-twins. I mean, Harley's kind of the standalone, but, you know, that's kind of some of the terminology we use. Um, Some of the negative terminology is, you know, the rice rockets and stuff like that. Um, And he did put me in check because without me even knowing it, I use the vernacular, the negative connotation of Jap instead of Japanese bike. I'm a huge fan of Japanese manufacturers. I specialized in Yamaha when I was going through school and I've always loved uh, Japanese manufactured bikes. And I love all motorcycles, period. But he was like, yo bro, like just to let you know, if somebody ever listened, they might take offense to that because it's still a derogatory term to a lot of you know Japanese people or people of Japanese descent or culture. So that being said, Thank you, homie, for putting me in check on that and correcting me. If I offended anybody, apologize. And it's just part of learning and growing, and it's part of this podcast. So I'm going to say some fucking wild shit a lot. And if you hear something, I mean, look, I'm going to take the criticism. And, you know, for something like that and the amount of respect that I have for my friend and for that culture, I definitely I would correct myself. In some cases, if you're just wanting to be a snowflake or something like that, I'm not going to get political on here or nothing, so don't take that the wrong way. It just means if you're going to be a softy, soft-serve Dairy Queen motherfucker, then nah, I can't do nothing about that. But I am always going to take you know, what you guys give me as far as feedback and make it part of the show because I want you guys to be part of this too. 
you know, as much as this is my journey, I want you guys, you guys are coming along with me. So Mike, I'm very appreciative of it. Thank you, brother, for putting me in check. Now, lead to my story with Mike. So when I left Okinawa, I got stationed in Camp Pendleton. And it was a little bit of a culture shock because on the weekends in Pendleton, everybody disappears. You're in Southern California. You know what I mean? Like, what do you expect? But being an Okie kid or Okie Marine, we partied a lot in the barracks. And yeah, we went out in town and stuff, but our barracks is more of our home, our institution, the base, the base camp, the command post. And it was a little bit different. So when I got to Pendleton, complete culture shock for me. Now, one of the biggest benefits, though, is I had some Okie kids join me in that squadron. They got stationed out there with me at HMM-268. And uh, one of those guys was Mike. And he was actually at our sister squadron, Okinawa, or our competitive squadron, 262, the Flying Tigers, where in Okinawa, I was with 265. So it was right down the street from each other. Every now and then, it was like the bar brawl, barracks bash. You know, we tagged their bird. They tag our shit. It was fun. It kept things interesting. And I really miss that shit. But I digress. So me and Mike linked up when he got out there. Uh, he got stationed in Pendleton. And we just really kicked it off. And we hung out together, partied together. I mean, I partied and hung out with a lot of people. And I'll get to those stories later. But... One of the things was me and him were out in Iraq is when we got pretty close, especially we were on the same shift together. Um, and we used to watch, I was guilty, I watched Sons of Anarchy. That was my shit back in the day. So here it is. We would sit out there and watch episodes on a laptop, like by the concrete fucking IDF barriers on a cot. And we would just sit there and kick it by the tents because at that point in time they had moved our unit in the tents because we were about you know a month out from pumping you know back to the states so and we would hang out all the time and we always talked about getting bikes and shit like that well mike was the one that i went to mikey v was the one i went to my motorcycle my basic riders course and i think he was telling me what we were talking about like he almost tipped over in the gas station on the way there and i fucking fell over the first day of class got it out the way like he was coming in front of me and I freaked out instead of turning and because it was like my third time riding that bike and I fucking tapped on the front brakes and biffed it like boop, like I was going like five miles an hour. So it wasn't even a fucking big deal, but he was there to be a part of that. Now, also me and V used to ride together all the time. We both had R6s. He had an 06, I had an 05, but we were in that young and reckless phase of riding where it was like, we were just so fucking naive. We were just like, hit the throttle and go. And me and this guy, we put some miles on. The first weekend, I had my motorcycle endorsement. I left Pendleton on a Friday, me and him, and we went to go see my homegirl, Janice Maldonado. She's one of my homegirls from uh, MOS school, and she was stationed at uh, Point Magoo up in Oxnard. So... I was like, yo, bro, you want to ride to Oxnard? Which was like, I want to say like a five hour ride away. And mind you, this is Friday in Southern California and we're going through LA in the afternoon. So anybody who lives in California, you know, that shit is ridiculous. First time I've ever split lanes in my life and I was terrified. And it was funny because me and him are kind of sticking together, kind of like squidding it out. But at the same time, you had like old dudes on Enduros, like popping wheelies, splitting cars. They were passing us like fucking shitting on us all day, all fucking day. Well, me and Mike finally made it up there. It was, we were exhausted. We had a couple beers passed out. We rode back and we took the PCH 
Pacific Coast Highway from Oxnard all the way down, I want to say, to like Laguna Beach. And then we hopped on the freeway and booked it back to Pendleton. But that was probably one of the coolest rides I've ever done because we left in the morning. We had breakfast, some old diner in Oxnard, and then we got on the bikes and we bounced out, said bye to my homegirl, and we dipped. And it was in the morning time. You had fishing boats out there and we we're coming between the canes and the sun was coming up. You still had that nice, cool ocean air, but you felt the sun in your face and it felt good. And there was nobody on the fucking road and we were just getting it. We were just not like going hard, hard because we weren't that experienced yet, but we were enjoying the ride for sure. And that was probably one of the most, that was the first time I ran a PCH uh, from Oxnard down. And it was like, it was definitely one of those memorable rides that I'll, I'll take with me to the end. Okay. So that being said, you know, everybody gets out of the Marine Corps parts ways, but he ended up coming out here to Vegas. I want to say it was about two years ago now. I was still over at Eagle Rider and it was hot as balls, like usual, like it is now. But him and his uh, now wife, they came out here and we had a great visit and me and him went for a ride out to the Pioneer Saloon because he hadn't been on a bike in a hot minute. So I put him on an Indian Scout and I was on my electric glide and we went for a nice little cruise out to Pioneer, had lunch, cruise back to the shop. And it was just enough because it was hot as fuck, but it was nice because there was a point in time where we started, we hammered down and we got on it, you know, carving in between cars like we used to. And it was it was a great moment. And then we went to Dave Chappelle, got fucked up and had a great time because we went to we went to go see Chappelle. And it was funny because he was here at the same time and I wasn't going to go. But me and Mike had talked about that shit out of Iraq from watching Chappelle's show and all that other stuff. If we ever got the opportunity, we would go and see Chappelle. And it was funny because it's like all of the things that we talked about out in Iraq and like on deployment and just bullshit around the barracks we were able to put a lot of that, check a lot of those off the off the list. So Mike, true homie, you're one of my first motorcycle homies out there. Even though, yo, this fool was crazy too. He's full of like a wide open throttle all the time. The ninja, always on it. Mike, thanks for the memories, brother. And I know we got more to come. You need to bring your ass back out here to Vegas. Thanks for listening. And we got the next segment coming up. Thanks guys. Hey guys, I'm back in the next segment, okay? First off, I'm gonna do a quick tip, dad tip, if you're in Las Vegas, okay? A lot of people are like, man, you got a kid, what is there to do in Las Vegas? You take them to the casinos? Well, yes, I do. But this is why they're not allowed on the gaming floors at all time, but keep this in mind. There's a place, uh, casino, old time casino called Circus Circus. Uh, it's on the north end of the Las Vegas Strip, right before you get to Sahara Boulevard, or Sahara Avenue or whatever one it's called. I can't remember. Sahara, that's what we would call it. Um, but basically, they have an indoor theme park with like two roller coasters. It's called Adventure Dome. It's pretty dang cool. And then also in the main casino area, they have an arcade. So uh, this past Wednesday, it was a buddy of mine. It was his birthday, a good brother of mine. And uh, he turned 31. So we we're like, all right, let's go ahead and let's go have some fun. We went and had some lunch, took the kid with us and we went to the arcade, had a bunch of fun in the air conditioning. And not only that, they do little mini circus acts. I think like every hour 
from, I think it's from 11 to 6, I want to say. And you can catch one of these little, little mini circus acts in between. It's pretty cool. So if you're looking for something to do with your kids and then something for you to do at the same time, Go hit up Circus Circus. Now, it's not the, like the, it reminds me of Flea Market <laughs> Casino is what I fucking call it because there is some Flea Market type shit in there. But if you're looking to entertain your kids in on the Las Vegas Strip, that's that's not a bad way to do it. Of course, you have like your, your the Avengers uh, shield thing over Treasure Island and stuff. That's when you start getting like 20, 25 bucks. You know, you can use that and let the kids run loose in the arcade for a little bit. So, Take your pick. That's just my dad tip of the week because it is Motorcycle Dad Podcast, so I figure I cover some dad shit. Now, also, I'm going to go over riding stuff. So this is a recommendation from very good brother, Mon Hacksaw. Use his road name. He sent me a recommendation. For one, Hacksaw, thank you for listening, brother. I appreciate the feedback and definitely appreciate you listening and the encouragement it means a a tremendous amount to me all the encouragement that you guys give me everyone gives me is tremendous but special shout out to hacksaw so he wanted me to go over riding formations and also you know your stagger side by side stuff i am going to cover more the msf standard right now and then i'll go into detail about side by side club style riding and a later one because i'll be honest with you i don't have all the information that i want on that so besides the fact that like unless you're an experienced rider it's probably not a good idea to do side by side riding okay but i'll go in a little bit because it's a little bit more than i want to touch on side by side riding but this lays down the foundation for getting to that point okay so basically you look at the msf it's going to tell you for you know standard safety protocol and to give yourself enough cushion to stop when you're riding in a group you're going to ride in stagger formation, which means say you got three people. Okay. Well, your lead person, most experienced rider rides in the, you're looking in your lane. They're going to ride in the front left position and then stagger. The next person is going to be to the right. I want to say around like what? Five o'clock, four o'clock kind of, but a few more feet back. And then the next person is going to fall staggered to them. So the third person would technically be behind the, the person in position number one. Now, if you ever need to fill in, like say somebody leaves the group, never ever, and this is a good recommendation, unless you know your team, you know who you're riding with, and you're just ballsy like that. Don't pass somebody on the right to fill the position. They, what you do is you just stagger up and switch spots until you know everybody's safe because you never want to pass somebody if they don't know you're coming, all right? Biggest thing is situational awareness and riding within your means, okay? Because matter of fact, we covered this one time, uh, we were doing a course, uh, a club and we were talking about that for new people coming in what's the safest stopping distance you know is a one car only two it's whatever you're comfortable with you need to know your bike know its capabilities and know your capabilities and ride within those means there's been plenty of times that i've been going ride with my friends and they've left me in the fucking dust and i let them because the main mission of this is survive the ride okay now Getting back to the group riding thing. One of the things is when, if you're gonna ride with somebody in your group and you're inexperienced, you need to let the person that's the most experienced rider know that, hey, look, man, this is my comfort level. This is what I'm comfortable doing with. Because if you don't talk to somebody, they're just gonna fucking take off and go do their thing. And I can't blame them because you can't react or make a game plan without certain information. So one of his biggest things is if you're gonna be doing group riding, have a little uh, pre-flight brief, 
you know, you're going over your bike, then go over your, your riding plan, where you guys are going, what you guys are doing, blah, blah, blah. Um, get some of those details down, how long the ride's gonna be. Hey, you know, make sure everybody feel fueled up. That's like one of the most number one things, like make sure you fuel up before you get to, you know, the meetup. You know, it's like, oh, we're ready to go. And then, oh, we gotta get gas, it's bullshit. All right, be ready to go when you arrive, okay? Let them know what your comfort level is in riding, what your experience is. Because more than likely what I would do, say if you're a new rider and you come around with me and one of my buddies, me or whoever it is that I feel that, you know, whatever, we'll talk it out. I'll take lead and we'll put you in the middle. Like, so you'll be in the right stagger position on the right side of that lane and we'll keep you in the middle so we can keep an eye on you. Um, now, if it gets to the point where you're like super slow and even what we're riding at and it is way too uncomfortable for you, then we'll probably tell you not to come on the ride then because we're going to be doing some wild stuff or we'll just take it easy and just like just stay with you the whole time it's depending on what the plan of the ride is i'm not going to sit here and try to be a dick about it but you know if we're planning on going on a long ride we've been playing this for a week and then you know you're missing snail pants well hey look man this is where we're going and we'll wait up for you here at this spot make sure you're okay blah 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 now i do a lot more club riding than i do you know freestyle just by myself lone wolf riding these days but that's what we used to do and most of the time, I'll be 100% honest with you guys, when it got to that point, we didn't even ride formation because we were we were getting it. We were splitting lanes and we were carving on the freeway. But as I've gotten more domesticated and a little bit more calm and I don't want speeding tickets, that's something that I've learned. And it's like, you know what? You got to have patience on two wheels because at any time you can get taken out. So. Riding your comfort level, be aware of your surroundings and the people, because if you're not used to riding in a group, that's something new you're going to have to get used to is looking for people consistently. Like, I'm not saying like every five seconds, but, you know, at least when I'm riding about once we're getting going, if it's a long run, then I'm looking like every couple minutes, making sure everybody's good every minute or so. Like, I'll just take a quick glimpse. OK, you know, I usually by that point in time, I know where people are in the pack. So I know who to look for in my mirror. So I'm not like gazing, gazing like, and being distracted from the road. But I could take a quick glimpse and have a reference and be like, OK, that person's still there. We're good. All right. Now, if you happen to take a look back and you don't see the people that you're, you know, need to be with there, then pull off to the next you know exit or where it's safe to to pull off to and then try to re-coordinate and go from there okay and sometimes what we'll do is we know the person's just slow we'll just kind of like and the traffic's not heavy we'll just pull off to the side real quick and then you know especially if i'm on my street triple and just wait from the cat all right then we you know book it again make sure you keep the group together all right biggest thing is surviving the ride riding within your means and be uh, aware of your surroundings okay and another big thing for you guys, if you're new, use hand and arms, so motorcycle hand and arm signals, okay? As elementary as it sounds, it's something that once you get it instilled in your brain, it stays there and it's a good way for communication. Just like anything else in life, there's no such thing as over communicating. So it's a little hard for me to try to explain, not a little hard, but it's gonna be a little dragged out for me to explain every hand and arm signal, but Google MSF motorcycle hand and arm signals and they're international. It's like the international motorcycle language. Everybody knows them, use them. Because for some reason, if like say your brake light's not working or something like that, you can use these as well 
you know, not that they teach this to drivers, but you could use these as well to communicate at least with other motorcyclists, especially if you're traveling in a group and you have a problem. Uh, nowadays, a lot of people have Bluetooth, so that's not a big deal. And you can talk to each other, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, you know, batteries die, stuff goes wrong. You know, Bluetooth don't work sometimes. It's always good to know your hand and arm signals because even when you start getting into more advanced riding in groups, whether it's staggered or club formation, hand and arm signals are very, very important. Another thing is if you get riding in the group, get used to passing the hand and arm signals back. Some people now, if it's like a short notice, then, you know, try to pass it back as safely as possible, but make sure you pass those back. I know there's some people that they genuinely, they maybe forgot some signals or they just don't care and they don't signal back. And it's kind of messed up because some people in the little end, if you're a Marine, you know, that is a little in the back of the group, they may not know necessarily what was being passed because they can't see that far ahead. Okay. So keep that in mind survive the ride ride within your means be situationally you know be around be aware of your surroundings other cars trucks road hazards and other motorcyclists and make sure you learn msf hand on our signals okay that's really really important i i say that ride within your means guys because you, you everybody's comfort level is different you got to make sure you ride within that comfort level because when you start pushing beyond that comfort level and I'm not going to sit here and say be a scaredy cat your entire time of riding, but sometimes you start pushing that limit. That's when bad things can happen. So focus on the basics. Look up the MSF site for uh, the suggestion for riding formation because they actually have a spreadsheet. It's three pages. OK, go on Google, type in, type in MSF motorcycle uh, formations or hand signals and it'll the whole thing will pop up and learn those. Um, it's going to range from everywhere teaching you how to uh, signal that you want to stop. Uh, what is it? A comfort break? You need fuel. Something's not right. You know, there's cops ahead. That's the big one, guys. All right? Always learn that. Tap your head. Just tap the top of your head with your left hand. Like, boop, boop, boop. Like you're a little teapot. Just keep tapping. All right. That means it's cops. And I'm just going to say this. Don't be that guy that waits until you pass the cops, especially at 100 and something, to be like, oh, hey, by the way, signal. Like once you see them, you're going to signal for the slowdown, which you'll learn and, you know, by looking at the diagram and also signal for the slowdown and signal cops, cops, slow down. <laughs> it's, it's as easy as that. All right. Give yourself plenty of time. Just give yourself plenty of time. Well, I wanted to go over that stuff with you right now, because like I said, that is recommendation from my brother Hacksaw. Thank you again. And not only that, with Labor Day weekend coming up, there's gonna, I know there's going to be lots of bikes on the road. Lots of motorcyclists that aren't club motorcyclists that, you know, you don't necessarily know what you're doing when it comes to riding in groups. But just a tip of advice, if you're rolling up on a group and they're in their club, just hang back. Don't just jump in there because you don't know who they are. If they got patches and stuff on, they could be cool. Like if you happen to pull over the next stop, you know, introduce yourself, just say hey, hi, cordial. These guys are the salt of the earth. These are people that are blue collars all get out. You know, a lot of times I've seen groups that have done that. They're like, yo, come on, come with us. We've even done that before. We've been hanging out at a bar like, hey, we're going to go here. You guys want to come with us? Um, but always be mindful and courteous and you show respect, get respect. Just remember that. Well, guys, I hope everybody's safe out there. OK, make sure you pre-flight your bikes. Make sure you go do a pre-flight with your team. If you're going on a ride, do a little safety brief. 
And uh, everybody, make sure you have a great weekend and have a good time, okay? Hey, look, for all my people in Florida, family, friends, everybody down there, please be safe. I'll be checking in on you guys. Make sure you secure your motorcycles. I, I foresee in the future in Florida a lot of motorcycles in kitchens because I remember that was something we used to do all the time. But you guys be safe. Make sure don't be no heroes. Get your water, get all that stuff, because I saw that hurricane is supposed to hit Central Florida. So all my Central Florida people and family and friends, I love you guys. Hunker down, and we'll be praying for you. Either way, everybody have a blessed one. Love you guys. Thank you again. I'm super humbled by all the listeners. Much love and respect. Motorcycle Dad out. Peace. Peace.